discretion is advised as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Now, are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. Alrighty. So, yeah, I just figured we'd talk about the 10 ultimate Christmas movies. <laughs> <laughs> Which, knowing uh, us, it's not going to be like, you know, the usual Christmas fair. Yeah, no usual suspects here. We're, no, we're talking about the ones that are basically unofficial, but since we're all about rule breaking in their in our mind, they are official. I mean, they they have to be. How can they not be? I mean, this. I've I've watched Die Hard five years straight now. I think. As Goodness gracious. Well, it's set at Christmas. I mean, this is. <laughs> you know, I I I was prepared for the Die Hard. I'm I'm ready for the Die Hard. I just knew it was coming. I, I just, I don't know. I don't feel the same way about Die Hard that most people do. I'm not an action movie person, so I'm kind of like, here we go with the Die Hard. I already can, <laughs> I, I get to hear this all the time. Yeah, like, this can't. is like a nonstop conversation in my life. Hey, can't have your action without your horror. <laughs> or comedy. <laughs> I, what is my, my, my choice actually has that cover. Oh, okay. okay. As, as far as a Christmas movie. I have actual Christmas movies, but they're kind of off the wall. <laughs> oh, so something like Love Actually or something that is kind of set there. Okay. But... Now, even though I'm female, I don't have to like Love Actually. I actually hate okay. it. <laughs> oh, okay. It's just not, you know, you guys know my taste. Hey, it's like, it's uh, not uh, me. It's I, not me. I, but I like Love Actually. Well, she, Rob can yeah, be, like, you know. What? No, Rob I'm not. I'm just kidding. I've never actually seen it. <laughs> Okay, I haven't me. actually seen it. Well, you should, Ron, because it's got Alan Rickman in it. <laughs> Alan. I love Alan Rickman, but there's a line. Oh, yeah. my God. Right. A young Andrew Lincoln said it. Uh, huh? Wasn't yeah. that Andrew? Andrew Lieb. All right. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of people in it. Um. Oh. <sighs> But well, once again, it, it's kind of more of an official Christmas movie. So yeah, we're we're definitely looking for ones that are just like they're set at Christmas or they talk about it, but it's not like directly like said every fucking minute. And I, I, I'll I'll tell you what, I'll let Daniel go first. I, I can't. I, I'm sure he's conjured up something which everyone's like, no damn way. You thought of that one? Awesome. <laughs> Let's hear it. Okay. Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toy Maker. Oh. <laughs> oh. I mean, this... one of those. So, we're not not even two, not even one. We're, we're going with the, the very last one, part five. Okay. Well, there, there's, there, this one holds a special meaning to me, because uh, it was actually the very first slasher I ever saw. Oh, okay. Yes. And it was, in my, it was in my dentist's office. We we, we like personal. <laughs> we, we, we really do. Absolutely. What kind of dentist Shout out to your dentist. <laughs> right? I was just about to say, what kind of dentist shows Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 5 in their uh, office? May, may, maybe, 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 dentist many times. <laughs> may, maybe Corbin Burnson. 
see what I did. Um, have you guys not seen my feed, the pictures I periodically post whenever I go for a checkup of the table in his office that looks like a xenomorph? Wow. I, I, yeah, I've some of the other interesting decor choices. Uh, he has very disgusting paintings and other stuff and other cool stuff, but it's like, I like to say, well, why is it here in the patient's room? <laughs> oh. If but, I wasn't uh, scared to begin with, I was now. And Be afraid. I forget how old I was. Probably less than 10 at the time. Because that movie was released in what? Like, 92? Mm -hmm. Let me look it up. Yeah, 91 and 92. It's been a minute. But, Wasn't uh, it PG-13? I'm just kidding. Of course yeah, not. Might add, my mom was in the room and encouraged us, by the way. Wait, what? <laughs> well, okay. She's more awesome than mine. Alright. Um... She, she thought it was hilarious watching me cover my eyes during that whole uh, opening sequence of the, the oh. evil Santa toy there killing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so this body count. This pulls a uh, Merlin's magical shop of mystical wonders, huh? Okay. My yeah. favorite episode. I couldn't resist. I had it. We're, we're Misty's here, so we gotta. Uh, I got it. some Misty stuff for you. But it's it's hilarious to me that one barely qualifies as a Christmas movie because the holiday is just only on the periphery of that film. Like the fun facts, the exterior the... shots of the houses decorated for Christmas, and the one scene of uh, Mick, Mickey Rooney as Santa Claus. That's about it. Oh, holy shit! The trivia on this is loaded. Oh. <laughs> Wonderful. Richard and Gladstein, who served as producer, plays an extra actor with no dialogue. Clint uh, Howard plays the same, yeah, plays the same character from Part Four. Uh, Interestingly enough, um, they, his name is Ricky, but it's never established if he's playing Ricky from the uh, the, the previous movies. Okay, so this trivia. Uh, okay, so this trivia's taking some advantage on it. Mickey Rooney wrote a letter of protest against the first movie, first stating movie. that it was scum, and it should be run out of town for the sullied sacredness of Christmas, but he co-starred in this fifth film. Yeah, what a hypocrite. He was full-blown insane by the point by that point that he made that. He was yeah. Mickey Rooney. <laughs> Mickey Rooney was an insane individual. Yeah. He, and he probably he, needed the paycheck at that time. Yeah, I'm sure. He's best known for a yellow face role, so fuck him. Anyway, um, <laughs> I went that far back. Yeah, Breakfast at Tiffany's. It's not funny. Breakfast at Tiffany's. It's a funny. It's it's a funny movie, but not his scenes. All right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh. The building used for external shots of Sarah's workplace is the headquarters of Live Home Video, which, you know, created this. Holy shit. Okay. That's that's too cool. And, Thank uh, you, Lionsgate. Wasn't, wasn't the director one of the producers of uh, Reservoir Dogs? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's He's also the script supervisor, I think, on all of Quentin Tarantino's movies. Yep. It's good to know that Quentin gives work to some of these otherwise unknown guys who is Monty, like... Monty Hellman, who directed the third one, it was also a producer on Reservoir Dogs. Oh. Yeah, Quentin, um, he pulls a lot of uh, his... Oh my god, I can't find words tonight. His inspiration from older films and kind of lesser known, you know, like B-films and, 
you know, smaller names. That's where he gets a lot of his ideas and he just turns them out as like a mainstream thing. And it's kind of cool. Whenever yeah. you even see some of the famous or even infamous B movie actors, even puds in his movies, it's, it, you can't even be ashamed to say, yeah, I know him mainly from his movies. Cause I mean, they, they are, they, he does give them some juicy roles. Like, I mean, just look at the pawn shot scene, Pulp Fiction, look at, you know, just some of the in-between stuff of, you know, Django It's just outrageous right. <laughs> and in the best possible way. Okay, so Robbie, I mean Rob, on number Bring all the die. <laughs> um, so um, it's a movie uh, you watch was, every it, year. It should uh, be a good Yeah, in response to Candy, who who's you know stated that um you know <laughs> the, she's more of, she's more of a horror person, and you know like we're all horror people, but like you know I'm an action person too. I'm going to go with uh both and go with uh Cobra. Oh, is it set at Christmas? Huh? Yeah, uh-huh. uh, Cobra, Cobra set at Christmas. Alrighty, I will yeah, make that, sure. That's, that's, um, I, your... I'm gonna have to record my own commentary track for that and learn how to open a fucking pizza box the same way he does. Get some giant cutters while looking at the fucking newspaper. I'm like, good God, there's a reason this was rejected for Beverly Hills Cop. Oh my God. Right, dude. Nobody nobody eats pizza like Mary and Cobretti. Barbara Cobretti. I remember um, two years ago, I went to my parents' house for Christmas and uh, uh, I I was going to spend the night and uh, I brought some movies over. Like, I got Christmas movies. And my father was like, "Oh yeah, what you got? What you got?" And uh, <laughs> I I, sh- I showed him, and uh, it was uh, I brought uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night one and two, and Cobra, and he was like, "The fuck? Oh come on, man! I thought you were gonna bring real Christmas movies, you know? Like you know, celebrate the the birth of Christ. You bring this shit." Oh, and he was God. very upset that that I would you know bring movies like that to to show my niece and nephew so we could watch. I'm like, but they're Christmas movies, you know? <laughs> He's like, "Yo, I mean, yeah. like real Christmas movies." You know, and it's like, but um, yeah, Cobra uh, is one of my all-time favorites, and uh, and um, it's like it's 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 you know it's one of those movies like Lethal Weapon, and and you know where it's like it's set at Christmas, but you could argue that you know what I'm saying. I mean, like that argument we're obviously gonna have tonight it's about like what truly maintains a Christmas movie or not. Keeper but, um, of the city. Sorry. Yeah, but. Uh, I mean, it, it truly, it truly feels. It has the look, like you know, that whole neon aesthetic with the red and greens, you know, throughout the movie. Uh, so, like, it's it's obviously bathed in like Christmas color glow. If you think about it, yeah. that was real smart for Stallone to do, since he's he's the one that actually directed it. Right. Yeah, there was no Bobby Camazos. He George uh, George George Cosmatos. Yeah. The, uh, either way, did not do it. We all know it. It's just yeah, yeah. It's 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 slowly but surely coming up. I, and I said this to this because I was actually going to go with uh, Rocky Four, <laughs> which, which is also is uh, another one. But um, okay. if you pay attention. Uh, Rocky Four and Cobra almost are the same stylistically in the way that they're shot and edited. Uh, and he was at his biggest. At he, he was at his biggest ego. So yeah, I mean. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, nobody was bigger than Stallone about '85 because you got to remember <laughs> he had Rambo: First Blood Part Two. He was and, untouchable. Yeah, Rocky Four, and they both. Rambo. 
<laughs> well, uh, uh, my my uh, my uh, best known uh, stuntman uh, John Ken, when he talked about working as one of the prisoners on Tango and Cash, was there when he saw uh, that the original director Andre, what's his name, who had done Runaway Train and yeah, you know, uh, Homer and Eddie, uh, just got fired. And he replaced him with Prince's longtime director. He's like, hey, he mm-hmm. can do that. He didn't ask anybody for that. He said, hey, you're fucking fired. Right. <laughs> it's like, and there was a not... bigger fight scene between Kurt Russell and a few others. And John was one of the guys getting slugged. And he's like, there's no fucking way that's in the final cut. I've looked several times. He's like, Stallone didn't want Kurt upending him in any way, shape, or form. They oh, had yeah. Stallone is notorious for that. Like, yeah, uh, he did it. He did it to James Woods and the Specialist. He did it to Rucker Howard and Nighthawks. Oh my the, god! Yeah, he was just he. His ego was enormous. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, the peon and the director. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but, but uh, I, I wanted to point out, like you know, what I love him about Cobra though that it's it's basically an action and horror movie because you know you have Stallone doing his best Dirty Harry impression then you have you know the Night Slasher who's straight out of you know the slasher movie in itself and you know the, the movie was Thompson, actually a, one of the punch yeah, Terminator yeah uh, Brian Thompson and uh, you know playing the, the Night Slasher yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah also in uh, from making out with uh, Oliver Reed and Hired to Kill <laughs> And you know, I haven't um, seen that one actually. What I've known yeah, about yeah, it, yeah, yeah, like I, uh, he he actually he makes out with Oliver Reed in there. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, yeah, yeah, he, it, Reed. it's it's straight <laughs> slasher movie. Like you know, it was a lot more violent too before they the they cut it to pieces because the movie was over two hours. But then uh, uh, they 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 cut it for violence and for time because uh, they didn't want it uh, uh, after Top Gun came out. They were worried that how well it would do, so they cut it to about eighty-four minutes. <laughs> that's the other weird oh, yeah, thing about these fucking eighties movie. movies. They were doing so many of those back in the day. It's like they were kind of being like Roger Corman. It's like it's got to be eighty minutes, or we're losing mm-hmm. money on film and all that. And then they were doing the whole, well, we <laughs> we want we want to kill our deals but keep the money, so. We're gonna do this as a tax write-off. So it's just so funny how that was a thing, and now it's just unheard of. Now it's make it cheap, but don't lose money. <laughs> right. Oh, make and make it and make over thirty million opening weekend, especially if it's a movie that isn't gonna make that kind of dough. It's just stupid. Yeah. Oh. Candy, candy cane. Uh, there we go. Uh, let's what see. is number a, eight? <laughs> I have a list of five. I'm trying to choose like. The most interesting. Uh, Any chance we're gonna hear mention of rare exports? Um, not for me. If Sean yeah. were on this podcast, he would absolutely. That would be his choice. But I it's think. not for me. Um, okay. All right. So I, I'm, I'm gonna go with like a kind of obvious one, but I have some <gasps> things to say. Um, it's Wonderful Life. I am in conjunction cool. with being. A big cartoon fanatic, a mystery science theater fan, mm-hmm. um, and horror fanatic. I also have a thing for classic film. And I <laughs> love It's Wonderful Life 
it's um, actually not. It wasn't made to be a Christmas movie. Um, right. It's kind of an anti-Christmas movie in a way. <laughs> nah, I, I, I don't know. Because I mean, with uh, the whole banks and everything, and how everything's commercialized. In the ending, kind of ties it up all neat, and I, I get all misty-eyed at the end every time I watch it. Oh, Jimmy like, Stewart, uh, how's your, how's your body heart? Oh, it's very good. Yeah. But. You know, Frank Capra made this movie, and he did stuff with Jimmy Stewart Lake, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. He did, like, these movies that were just making bank. But when It's a Wonderful Life came out, not a Christmas movie, um, not considered a Christmas movie, and it tanked <laughs> at the box office. It was actually yeah. considered a failure. And mm-hmm. I really, really liked the film. It's not a Christmas movie, but it works really well as one. Um, right. Jimmy- Stewart does what he does best, you know, being kind of goofy and, you know, but like heartwarming and all that. And it's it's a really great story. And I watch it not just at Christmas. I always watch it at Christmas, but I watch it sometimes throughout the year. Like if I'm really, you know, like feeling like shit about life, <laughs> I have it for all of us. You know, you put that movie on and you're just like, yeah, Merry Christmas, Bedford. Well, yeah, I know. You know, I just get, I get I'm a girl. I get weepy. And I just think it's a heartwarming little story, and you know now it's, it's like deleted a classic. Oh, the <laughs> deleted ending? Are you referencing the SNL skit? Yeah, Daniel where Nick? they all beat the shit. Yeah, it's <laughs> like John Lovitz or somebody's playing Mr. Potter, and yeah, it's just like ape shit. Yeah, I think at the you know at the end, you know everybody's all misty eyed, but then you you think about it a little bit later, and you're like, man, he never got a comeuppance. I really want to kick the shit out of this guy. Wheelchair-bound <laughs> evil man. You know, uh, I love how... Come up and... Right, I love how the protagonist, his uh, buddies are named Bert and Ernie. Yeah, yeah. That's and totally where they got the name. There's no denying Yeah, the it. cab driver and the cop. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, just, I love this film. And yeah, it's not technically a Christmas movie, according to Frank Capra, long dead, but um, it wasn't. A Christmas yeah. movie. If they're not but now it's like a Christmas classic and it's made you know, it's made more money than any other film that Capra did. As a matter of fact, if you bring up Frank Capra's films for people who actually know who Frank Capra is, mm-hmm. they you know that's the movie they think of instead of stuff like Mr. Smith Goes Washington, which was, you know, up for Academy Awards and blah, 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 blah. Well, that's and, kind of how they pay tribute to him also. They you know, any movie that's referencing Capra, let alone even, you know, Christmas Carol type Christmas stuff. They almost always go to his template because they're just like, hey, it, it, it's much like all these other outrageous 80s movies we've talked about all so far because they, again, it's just a very personal movie. It's like, hey, you think your life is shit, but guess what? No one can live without you. We need and you. What Frank Capra was really good at was capturing just raw emotion and this just yes. me waxing poetic about classic films, which I, I I love them. But there's so many moments in all of his movies, but especially It's a Wonderful Life. Like, you know, for me, you know, I'm just helpless romantic, but, you know, when they're on the <laughs> phone and he's mad and they're sharing the phone, you know, and then, you know, <laughs> like, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to do it. And then they end up kissing. And I'm just like, oh, my heart. You know, it's very, <laughs> you feel something. And then, you know, at the end, you know, Unless you're soulless, you're a little, you're touched at the end. When he's running through town, like, I don't care that my life is shit. It's, I have my family and, you know, and he's kind of a hero of the town and didn't realize it. So it's, it's a neat little thing. I like it. Good yeah, I for also, any time of the year. 
no, that's a good point. Very, very good point. I, I like also how it's pretty anti-capitalistic, you know, how everyone's saying, hey, you should be this successful guy. And he's just like, he doesn't know what he wants to do with his investments. And again, he's just too nice a guy, you know, he's that this is the kind of guy who you would rob. And he'd just be like, fuck it. It's just money, you know, <laughs> um, it's just so wild how, again, yeah, he trusts, you know, uh, all these guys, you know, Potter and all his other cohorts, and they totally fuck him over, you know. <laughs> Next thing you know, he, he's trying to entertain the kids and his wife, and, you know, he's about to lose the house, let alone his sanity. So it's like, And his company and go to jail and everything else because, yeah. of, because of Potter. And he's just like at the end, the whole town comes together because they, they know of all the like, like the nice things that he's done. And you're just like, you're so touched. You're just like... <sighs> Yeah, you're the hero in someone's story, I think is the message, even though you, you don't realize it. Even right. when you feel like you're worst, you are the hero in someone's story. So, you know, Ruby. it touches me. So I, I shared that. There you go. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Alrighty, I'm, I'm going to go with number seven, a movie which even in its opening segment features It's a Wonderful Life, none other than Gremlins. <laughs> I, I resaw it a few years ago. Holds One up perfect for me. Yeah. I, oh yeah. I, I, I love Joe Dante. The book, and you would, you know, it was a chime, and you turn the pages. Because I was a kid when that movie came out. Yeah. Perfect. Loved it. I I even have a gizmo action fi- uh, giant interactive figurine doll with me. So. <laughs> One of the ones from the eighties, or like, is it a new thing? Because they had ones in it's the eighties. Yeah, the, there was one in the 80s. This one came out like a few years ago, and I, it was like through a crowd funder. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to buy that off eBay. Awesome. awesome. I, I, I just like how this is just a fun mix, and even the darker stuff that didn't make it, you know, again, I, I like how I'm, I'm still waiting on part three. I'm, they were talking about it for a while. They were even saying it might take a darker turn, like Gizmo might die saving. No! His yeah, friends and oh yeah, it was supposed to be a lot darker than it ended up being. Yeah, I mean the mother was supposed to die, and instead and they were she... supposed to throw her head down the stairs. Right, instead she just decapitates the gremlin that's you know stalking her. So. Oh, that's the one in the blender. That's the best. Or no, the microwave. The microwave's good too. Yeah, I will admit, uh, Scar, I think his name is. You know, Final Death kind of goes up. Strike. Yeah, yeah his his final death does kind of go on a little long, but. Uh, that's just a matter of just being a little dated, but it's still an otherwise pretty effective. I can't think of any movie where there's a wasted scene. I also like the cameos. There's Chuck Jones, the famous animator, as the postman. There's and how can you not like Hoyt Axton as the dad? Yeah, even though oh, well. he did sing a theme song from Mitchell. Yep, that's what I was about to say. We got a uh, MST3K uh, connection right man. there. Uh, how about Spielberg riding a bicycle in that damn studio? Huh. It's a blink and a miss it. <laughs> I still miss it. Also, you know, there were some, like, stuff, I think, as a kid that you didn't realize was so creepy about the film. Like, Phoebe yeah. Cates, who I absolutely adore. I think she's absolutely adorable. But um, right. married to Kevin Klein, who's also great. But, you know, when she's telling a story about her dad and how he died. Oh, yeah. You know, when I was a kid, I was just kind of like, I want to see Gizmo. But, I, you know, you just kind of gloss over that. But as an adult, you're like, holy mm-hmm. shit, that's awful. Yeah. And I, 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 I guess 
where I would have probably gone a little different with this is I would have had there be a bigger comeuppance for all the other assholes there. You know, like uh, Judge Reinhold mm-hmm. appears. Yeah, so it's a kind of mini Fest Times yeah. reunion. Yeah. Uh, I. <laughs> He he, his character. I, I kind of like how his character is minuscule because if he had been any longer on screen, it would have been like, okay, what is his purpose of the story? He either has to get killed or something else, you know. So, because uh, pretty much every asshole in this movie kind of gets, you know, attacked or killed. Uh, there's the couple next door. There's the <laughs> the old uh, lady on the like lift on on the staircase. It's right. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it, a, a little detail I only noticed in my adulthood in that scene, by the way. As her chair is flying up the stairs and she's screaming bloody murder, she flies past a picture of her deceased husband and knocks it aside slightly. If you actually look, the husband is grinning and his eyes are turned to the corner like he's watching her fly out the window and loving it. <laughs> oh my god, I never noticed that. That's a ver- there are a lot of just, you, you know, it's pretty much like every other 40s cartoon you know you you can't get it all in one possible scoop there's easter eggs sprinkled throughout that's the gem of it and i mean i this is one of those i just see these i see this influence in all the other kind of creature stuff that you know spielberg's done like jurassic park and arachnophobia you know it's just a lot of fun it's just very energetic from beginning to end it's very clever especially the narrator and all the other supporting actors and even the chinatown opening scene is very well done um and you you just don't know what you're getting into even no matter how many times you've seen it is like i know there's gonna be something i've forgotten and it's <laughs> marketed to children yeah you know all, of, all of the these kids had had something to do with this movie you know we yeah. all experienced it yeah, or grew up with it and, and watched it like i said i had the record and the book and i had um i had the gizmo that would blink his eyes and all that stuff because it was so cute i even had a kitten named gizmo back then i think nice. all of us did or I had a dog or something you know it was it was very cherished by children this... and oddly enough my husband is walking around the house in a retro gremlins t-shirt and i never crossed my mind oh wow to think of that movie there's a shirt I wanted to get for the longest time. I think you can still find it. Uh, Reddit. Not Reddit. Uh, what's it called? It's a t-shirt side, and it has red in the title. Red bubble. That's the one. Okay. And I know. Stupid me. Anyway, uh, it was it was a very cool shirt. It, there was this one that had, I kid you not, Gizmo dressed up all as, like, Yoda with lightsaber and cape and all and fighting. Oh, uh, with this with this baby Yoda shit going on. No, I'm no, no, no. This this, this, this was this, this was before Mandalorian. That's the thing. So we're talking uh, just Yoda in general from the original prequels. So he, and uh, uh, so yeah, he's going all ape shit and fighting Scar and a bunch of others. It, it was very cool. I was like, uh, interesting. I never thought of the Mogui and whatever Yoda's race being similar. So. Yeah. Um, um, I just want to add in, I have one gripe with that movie now as an adult that I just <gasps> cannot unsee. <gasps> what? The Gremlin I, I, know, I think I know three. what you're going to say. Oh, no. The it's Gremlin in the three, when it attacks the mother, I can't unsee the very visible guy in the red sweater. <laughs> <in the field. laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so there you go. Something else, but yeah, that's that's the, I, I I definitely noticed that every time I rewatch it. Okay, so it's one of those blink and a miss. You gotta kind of watch the slow motion to see it. Oh no, Just, it's very visible once you look at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. As a grown up, yeah. But when you're a kid, it's kind of like movie magic. But as a grown up, you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, it's a person in a suit, is what you're saying. Okay. Um, no, it's 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 like a, a production assistant wearing yeah. a very visible red sweater, crouched behind the tree, shoving it over. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's the, he's definitely there. The uh, okay. hobgoblins moment. Oh, yeah, playing the fucking hobgoblins. And see, that's the other shit that pisses me off, too. Everyone's like, oh, Ghoulies and Hobgoblins was written, you know, years before this. Uh, Ryan, our... Our buddy Ryan on the Coolness Chronicles even debunked that. He's like, that's a pretty damn long time, considering uh, Hobgoblins took like almost five to you know seven years to fund. He's like, yeah, no, not buying it. <laughs> it had to be similar. I mean, they they said it about Critters as well. Yeah, so this is it. It's like, okay, well, whoever's idea came first, I'm, I'm sorry, this has to be the best executed of all of these, no pun intended. Yep, this is... That's Spielberg. Well, yeah. Spielberg, but Joe Everything Dante just turns to gold. Uh, yeah. Also, also we also we have to uh, to acknowledge uh, uh, Gremlins' lasting legacy that uh, it was one of the two movies responsible for creating the uh, the PG thirteen rating. Uh-huh. Yep. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So same year we get this, we get the used to not be my favorite installment, but now it kind of is because it's so outrageous and gory and over the top. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So there you go. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> was God, those movies, movies are going. I probably watched that more than audience. Gremlins. That that movie is so Kali like, Ma. who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We are going to <laughs> die. <laughs> the way he says that shit. Is... I watched that movie so No more parachute. Times. Oh, Mr. Man. Jones, no more parachute. Oh my! You call him Doctor Jones, doll. Oh hell! I, I would pay to see an indie movie where he has to retrieve a amulet that's related, that's shaped like Gizmo or something. <laughs> the poison you just drank, Doctor Jones. Oh, <laughs> uh, at the club, Obi Wan. Yeah. Yeah. Prepare, uh, prepare to meet Kali in hell. My God, yes. Yes, I can say I can say him beside lines. Uh, I know I watched it so much. I like know every single line. Am I the yeah. only guy who? Am I the only guy who likes short round? No, I, I, I like short I, round. I, 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 yeah, everybody I likes to put him on it. Yeah, he's data to me. But, Everyone loves you know. to just shit on him. I'm like, no, he's not Willie or even Jar Jar Binks. He, he's fun, Mister Jones. I yeah, mean, he's, he's great. He's I, I was never annoyed by him. I love him. Groovy, groovy. Uh, killed monkey brains. <laughs> okay, so if I'm not mistaken, uh, Gremlins 2 is also set at Christmas? No. Uh, uh, I don't think it's more minor. Happen. Okay, Wait. yeah, no, fuck it. Okay, so uh, as much building, right? I think so. As much corporate, as I love Joe. As much as I love Joe Dante, it's, it's kind of more loose. It's just more about I was commercial. disappointed with it, although, you know, Zach, uh, what's his name, Galligan or whatever, I thought he was really cute back in those days. I had a big crush, and was, he was the entire reason I watched Waxwork. Yes. But I'm here I go venturing into horror again. I can't keep myself away. 
good. We all like it. All right. So that's number seven. Number six. What's an ultimate Christmas movie? May I? Please. Batman Returns. Mm. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tim mm. Burton has such a strange Christmas fetish. I know because that goes to one of my my next one when it's my turn. <laughs> you know, Batman Returns, Edward Scissorhands, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, he, he's got a hookup. Tim Burton's just—I love him. I love everything he does. His Batman movies. I don't like superhero movies, but I love his Batman movies because they're just stylistic. I love his style. Oh, very interesting. And and he he even says making the first Batman was one of the worst experiences of his life. <laughs> to then return. Now, am I wrong? And and if I, because he went from his first feature film was Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which is yeah, one of my yeah, favorite movies of all time, and then yes. he did Batman. Correct. Yeah, no, Beetlejuice. Um, Beetlejuice was second, actually. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Beetlejuice, and then that. Okay. Because that's I'm one just of trying to get my timeline correct. One of the biggest problems he had making the first Batman film was when he suggested Michael Keaton to be Bruce Wayne and Batman. Um, DC Comics and Warner Brothers were dead set against him. They said no freaking way. He had to fight them tooth and nail to cast Keaton. It's Hot amazing. Take, but he's the best Batman. Uh, well, Keaton. it's also amazing how we just get all this contrarian back and forth. Oh, we want an unknown uh, or we want a bigger known. And it almost always just comes down to how much do we have to pay them? And like, is this a problem here? I mean, what's the budget on this thing? We, we, you can pay it. <laughs> well, story actually from Burton himself. One of his biggest things was arguing with uh, Warner brothers about, because at the time Michael Keaton was known for comedies Yes. Right. And and that's one of their was their biggest opposition. Plus the fact that physically he did not look like what they pictured Batman as muscular and chiseled and and mm -hmm. basically he, he turned around and he told them, Look, I've already got Jack Nicholson as the Joker. I can't put an unknown opposite Jack Nicholson. He will dominate them over the screen. Yeah. Now do you want me to take a serious dramatic actor like a De Niro or a Pacino and make him look realistic getting into his Batman tights? Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> not gonna work. Now, Michael Keaton was just a stroke of genius. But it's because oh. they'd worked together on Beetlejuice that Tim Burton walked into it saying, I think Keaton can do this. He can play this character. And that had been successful, so you don't know why they would be reluctant. It's like, I, it was definitely the DC universe talking there. Yeah. And, oh. and, and, and now here we are today. Marvel dominates the big screen, and DC is floundering. Except for Joker, which was an absolute masterpiece. Oh, and I've heard good Coming stuff. Coming from someone again who hates comic book movies or superhero movies, oh, I really I, thought I, the Joker—that's like that's what they got. They're like, well, you know, Marvel has all this, but we have this one really fantastic movie. <laughs> and, 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 and they're so quickly moving back in the direction of Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin. Uh, arguable. I mean. Everyone gives Joel Schumacher as a result just too much bullshit, and it's just like yeah. he he did lots of good stuff before and after. And uh, I, between Schumacher and Snyder, I think you've got a pretty terrible twosome. You're not Agreed. a fan of falling. Hold on, now we're not fans of falling down. Lost Boys, A Time to Kill. 
Attack phone booth. It's Snyder. Decent. Well, I'm talking Schumacher, not Schneider. I'm just. <laughs> I'm going to refrain from the, the responding to any uh, Snyder back talk. Okay. <laughs> I'm, no. just, I'm just going to stay silent. Okay. Well, well. Release the Snyder cut. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah. It's going to be interesting seeing what Snyder does with these zombie movies. Um, really, really oh, I've, slow I've, I've even heard some good stuff about Birds of Prey, so I mean, Margot Robbie's just awesome, so I'm just gonna leave that there. Oh my there. god, I love her. Right. I love Charlie Quinn, but I love her in general. All right. Oh. They're yeah, saying she's apparently really good in that one, so all right. So now we're on to number five. Holy shit! This is flying. Uh-huh. Hey, who's feeling adventuresome? Rob. <laughs> Uh, I want. I want to number five, so top five. I want to go with Krampus. Oh, okay. oh I knew that 20, one was gonna come up. Yeah. Twenty fifteen. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I I I love. I just love Krampus. And the you know, considering we we should talk about Gremlins, I think Krampus is one that probably comes the closest to matching that energy. The the just well that it was a good. Um, a good black comic. Yeah, yeah, you know, and um, considering, you know, it was made by uh, Michael Daugherty who did uh, Trick or Treat, you know, and uh, he, he's a he's a big holiday guy. It, 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 it's obviously coming, you know, coming out. He he, uh, uh, he loves the holidays and stuff. And uh, I don't know. And I, they're big I, cash I, cows. Yeah, I didn't have... Um, that much of a hope going into Krampus. I was like, ah, oh, we'll see how this is. And it's just like, oh my god, this is this is just wonderful. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just an absolute wonderful cast and just, you know, just... Just, just a just, fun movie. Yeah, it's absolutely a blast to watch, you know. And then just like, you know, and I, I especially love the ending, you know. I, I probably won't say much, you know what I'm saying, to avoid spoilers, but... Uh, you know the, the the cautionary tale about you know like it's almost like you know it to reinforces the true meaning of Christmas you know be you know you know this time of Christmas be wonderful you know be nice to each other you know what I'm saying or you know this could happen you know you never know <laughs> well if I may interject uh, through my horror feed the Nightmare Nerd I have touched occasionally on around the holidays about the real history of the Krampus mythos and there honestly are so many, like, you know, uh, like Central European, for lack of a word, monster myths that orient around the holidays, Krampus being the most notable. <laughs> but, yeah, there uh, are some, definitely. You know, there's there's uh, Fra Pichter, there's uh, Pia Fohar. They're all wonderful. Right. But, uh, but Krampus, that definitely was the best one for a, a black comedy like that. Yeah. Because the, right. the, whole, the whole thing is just so... So absurd that he he kidnaps kids, puts them in a bag, and tosses it in a river. And that's how you <laughs> got to do a dark comedy. You got to just really be like, hey, this is pretty off color. So if you're yep. squeamish, get out now. And at the same time, I mean, it's, it's just over the top. Laugh at it, you know? Right, but and I mean, there's no I mean, there's surprises, but there's no surprise that you know it's over the top from beginning to end because it's just 
it sets it up that way from the beginning. So it's like, okay, I know what I'm in for. It's just outrageous. And that that opening scene of the brawl that happens in the department store is even easier to appreciate. <laughs> easy, even easier to appreciate right now. People are fighting over damn toilet paper. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. That is that. Go like quarantine. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Oh God. <laughs> my house is on lockdown until next Wednesday. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna have to put this out here, by the way, since since we've got all the married couples locked in, does that mean in nine months we're gonna have children of the quarn? Ah. <laughs> Couldn't Not let it go. In this household. Couldn't let it go. I'm just getting these kids grown. There's no, there's no way. I'm too old. I can't do it. And instead of Outlander, <laughs> we have your woman. It's gonna be Outsider. We have your woman. Wow. <laughs> Man. I am terrible. Oh, uh, well. I mean, you said it, not me. So. <laughs> I prefer the term impish. Just impish. Thank me, I'm so bad. Man. Goodness. Holy moly. So, I'm kind of <laughs> running out of Christmas movies here. I'm, for whatever I reason. Oh, uh, well, I'm sure. I'm. I think uh, I know. Uh, uh, it's just funny though how has anyone ever we were talking about it's a wonderful life has anyone ever had a habit where they watch a movie that isn't even related to christmas and they watch it for whatever reason at a certain time of holiday i for whatever reason for a while was watching caddyshack every christmas i don't know why. i watch the sound of music at christmas for some reason right but i'm a musical fan so um i love that movie Awesome. That's a weirdo pick, but okay. <laughs> Sorry. Go, go, go. I like uh, the sound of music. Go for it. Okay. And uh, what's his name? Uh, it's so funny how Christopher Plummer didn't go to the various anniversaries for that movie for the longest time. He just didn't think his role was that great. <laughs> Finally. Uh, but now he appreciates it. Yeah. And fortunately, he's still with us. I'm so glad. I just watched Knives Out with him in it. Oh my god, so great. Oh yeah, he's great. That was a know. great movie. Yeah, it absolutely was. I, yep. uh, I I don't know about all of you, but it's kind of a, here in the Northeast, we have WPIX 11 out of New York, the TV channel. Uh-huh. And uh, the thing is, usually it's around Thanksgiving they will show Babes in Toyland with uh, Laurel and Hardy. What in the hell? Yeah, they do. They, they show it every Thanksgiving and every uh, but, uh, Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, that your number four pick? No, actually, I was going to say, right. t- talking about movies that don't relate to Christmas. The All thing right. is, every year, the TV edit of that movie always ends up falling like 15, 20 minutes short. So they show the Laurel and Hardy uh, short film, The Ghost Ship, to go with it. So that one is just associated with the holidays for me. Holy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'll watch that shit every year. That's a very creative telecast, man. <laughs> I also, I, I also uh, uh, drunk watch that movie every year. Like, I try to start a drinking game <laughs> for, uh, like, uh, Daniel, listen to this. I try to start a, a drinking game and take a drink every time Tom Tom's name is mentioned. Oh, my Tom God. Tom! You'll be dead within the first few oh, minutes. Yeah. Oh my god! Like your I liver to, didn't go into way, failure. 
<laughs> I, I I had to give up. I'm like, nah. They they just everything is fucking Tom Tom by by the Clypex. Tom Tom. Tom Tom. And actually, it's ironic yeah. to do that because you know what? The actor who played Salas Barney, he was shit faced off his head the entire filming experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people were in the eighties. <laughs> Drunk on that was that wasn't made in the eighties. That was like the 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 forties. Yeah, uh, that was a long time ago. Okay, hold up. What am I thinking? Yeah, yeah. Are you yeah. thinking about the Keanu Reeves one? Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that movie is. I I literally tried to watch that like last year and I barely made it like twenty minutes. You just want to like pop your eyeballs out. Uh, right. This, it, it, he, like, I just he, lives triumphant. Keanu looks is dressed like Aladdin, and uh, the 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 town the, <laughs> that would the, be an interesting the, choice. <laughs> the Toyland looks like it was like the town from Little House on the Prairie, just painted pink. It, it, it's just mind-bogglingly awful. It's really I mean, bad. You can it. find it in like the bargain bin at Walmart for like two dollars. I've only that. seen the clips of him singing. I'm like, good God! At least he doesn't do this in Dog Star, and he just does guitar. <laughs> I love me some Keanu, but I can't do that movie. Uh, all good. Whoa, not a whoa. Okay. Um. So. so okay, so uh, it's very interesting. So we have a feel-good movie like Sound of Music, and then we got number four. What's number four? That's not Babes in Toyland or Caddyshack. <laughs> Didn't uh, Candy have one she wanted to put in? I did, and it is kind of a Christmas movie. Um, I wanted to talk about it because I have a few things to touch on. Um, (gasps) As I said before, I'm a big Tim Burton fan. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to talk about Nightmare Before Christmas. It is a classic in my home. Um, It is a classic in my home. Uh, The interesting thing about this movie is, you know, Tim Burton had to put so many hundreds of hours into work, you know, to do this Mm -hmm. claymation film. You know, he did, yep. get, he did get, like, Chris Sarandon, and um, he got Catherine O'Hara from, um, who had been in Beetlejuice. And uh-huh. then he opened up the beautiful singing voice of Jack Skellington. But what's interesting about this movie, it came out in 1993. Now, in so, 1993, yeah. and it's amazing because you see that shit everywhere now. But mm-hmm. in 1993, let's not do the math, but I was 14 years <laughs> old, and... <laughs> It came did. and went without <laughs> fanfare. It really was nothing. It flopped. Yeah, it didn't make Disney. much of a buzz. Yeah, and so, but what's interesting is, here, along comes Hot Topic, and <laughs> is just mass marketing this to all your emo teens, and that's when it really got its cult following. And so, you know, they're they're force feeding us all this you know, emo culture, early 2000 kind of stuff, and that it got this huge resurgence. And there for a, a minute, they were showing it from Halloween to Christmas in 3D. And I would go like three, four times a year. They did it for like three years. And then they kind of stopped because it had this resurgence. But, you know, even to this day, you'll see 14-year-old girls that shop a Hot Topic wearing all their Jack Skellington gear. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie. I have quite a bit of Nightmare Burgers and stuff myself. Um, I always liked the film. And I just was like. But, you know, it was kind of just one of those things. I had it on VHS, and I'd pop it in and watch it. But, like, nobody was into it. It was not a big thing until the 2000s, the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, 
and I would Cartoon Network would show it a lot. Had like a cult fan base. The 2000s was when it, was when it ma- went mainstream. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It did have a small cult following. I mean, there were people that liked it, like myself, but we just, you know, this was pre-internet. This was, you know, a friend would come over and be like, hey, you got to watch this film. Like, it was hard to find other people who liked it, you know. And then, it was an underground know. classic before that was really a thing, I guess. Yeah. 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 I mean, much in the vein of like John Waters films, you know, kind of thing, like where it's like, hey, have you seen this movie? Never heard of it. Well, it, watch I'm this. Su- I'm surprised John wasn't a voiceover in this movie. This movie is loaded with unusual talent. <laughs> I know. And it's uh, William Hickey was on it. I mean, Greg there was from who's even, even Paul Rubens. <laughs> Paul Rubens. Yeah. Is, uh, um, a friend of Tim Burton's. I love Pee Wee. I love yep. Paul Rubin. He um, was in Returns at the did, beginning. Uh, yeah, he was. And, uh, you know, obviously because Tim's first big feature film was Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Like I said, one of my top ten films of all time. Great. But, uh, yeah, so he did the voice of Locke, you know, one of the children, evil children, <laughs> whatever. Um, but it, it was a neat mix of Halloween and Christmas. So it could be either a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie or just whatever. My daughter watches it nonstop year round. And <laughs> she's almost 20. You know, she's part of that. You know, when it became mainstream, you know, it was yeah. everywhere. Like she still collects all this nightmare for Christmas stuff. And she remembers growing up watching it with me because, you know, that's when, you know, I had the DVD collector's edition to replace my VHS copy and whatever <laughs> stuff. But it's something we watch a lot, and um, everybody in my home loves it. My kids love it. I love it. We all love it. Nice. And it's got music. It's got, you know, the, the meticulous claymation. It's just a great movie. But, yeah, I wanted to go. I wanted to go with this one. I mean, it was an obvious choice, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about the history of the film, having um, lived through it. Yes, since you're such a, so into it, can I pull some uh, little obscure stuff there about it? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you probably know this already, but um, the Oogie Boogie number, when he's threatening Oogie Santa Boogie. Claus, <laughs> you know, yes. Santa Claus says, what are you going to do? And Oogie Boogie says, going to do the best I can. Do you know what that's a reference to? Um, I don't that, know. That line, that line came from one of the really old school Betty Boop cartoons, black and white. Uh, oh, okay. And oh, yeah, that's... Those got well, really weird in that era. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that one is notable because it's called "The Old Man of the Mountain," and it featured a voiceover and music and rotoscoping of uh, Cab Calloway and his orchestra. Man. And, oh yeah, yeah. And that, okay. That 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 one's really noteworthy. It's one of the most risque uh, cartoon shorts of the time because it's implied that the old man of the mountain tries to rape Betty Boop. Oh. But. During one of the music numbers, Betty Boop asked this uh, towering, ugly old man, what are you going to do? And Cab Calloway's voiceover says, I'm going to do the best I can. And then he does a dance number that was rotoscoped. Yep. Yep. And that, that dance number was also an influence on Michael Jackson doing the moonwalk. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what kickstarted the whole rape accusations. And I'm not going to go into that. That's such yeah, horseshit that they did. Yeah, okay. let's save that for. I just, well, I just, uh, I'm just, I just bring it up because I just get so annoyed how I encounter ignorant people who are like, "Oh, Jackson, he's a molester." I'm like, "No." We'll return after these messages. Hey. 
Feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say. Ah. 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 Good fun stuff. <laughs> well. <laughs> you <laughs> no, don't, don't run the listeners away Peach. Ah, i'm sorry but this is going kind of long yes so we'll end this and say hey check out the home video hustle every friday on all the various podcast outlets peace peace as far back as i can remember i always wanted to be a gangster And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Break out, take the different town. Break out.
Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. Oh, oh, oh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. It's unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one last black holes and gratuitous It's time to get busy With your friend Stephen At eilfm.podbean.com We now continue with our program Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, yes. Chris Sarandon was at Horror Hound uh, a couple of years ago, and of course, my daughter. I I, I take my kids. Uh, it's a big horror convention. Um, I see it a lot in the Midwest. I don't know where else it goes, but just come to Indianapolis, and we go over here. And Chris Sarandon was there, and I'm like Prince Humperdinck, and I was thinking the cop in. Chucky and my daughter's like, I have to get him to sign my Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> and so, no Princess Bride references. It, well, I said Prince Humperdinck. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, that pops in my head. Oh, okay. Chris uh, Sarandon is, I, I, just I, I really love Chucky. Princess Bride. And, but I also think of him from the first childhood. Um, but I but never I, associate him so much with Jack Skellington because I think of Danny Elfman singing. Because mm-hmm. I like, you know, I'm a singer. I like singing. So, um, but she has this huge signed Jack Skellington poster, Chris Sarandon, oh. you know, and I was all like, Prince Upperdink, <laughs> you know, but even <laughs> though I love the film, it's just, it, I don't think of Chris Sarandon, but it is Chris Sarandon. Yeah, he's a very in- intriguing actor and in how he's kind of had to reinvent himself a few different times, just be in roles where you're like, that's him? Oh, my God. Well, and that's what the, the young people, God, I sound old now. The young people, they know Chris. Oh, yeah. But I have young people in my home. So, you know, like, especially her age, like 1920, you know, in that age bracket, especially, um, they're all like, oh my God, it's Jack Skellington. 
<laughs> like what? Ooh. That's the first thing you think of? Okay. Oh yeah. So yeah, I got the so, Chris Sarandon. <laughs> moving us along. So we're now to number three. Oh my god. How can this be? Alrighty. Um, I, I guess I'll interject and say the one I was expecting, Candy. What? Oh. Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands. So, Tim Vernon, congratulations. You have taken over this list. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I said my first naming of Batman Returns. He's got such a weird Christmas fetish. <laughs> He's got a weird Halloween fetish. He's got a lot of weird fetishes. Um, you know, what? like the the weird patterns he uses in every single movie, kind of like a, a Vincent Van Gogh style, but his are all like stripes and curves, and you know, like he, he has a very stylistic approach as well. So a lot of but, hallmark um, Tim Burton things. Yeah, technically, Edward Scissorhands is a Christmas movie. It's set around Christmas. It's a loose backdrop to it, but um, <laughs> it otherwise has practically nothing. It's all about this incredibly bizarre, you know, arbitrary story. It really doesn't get man. too over the top until, like, the very end. It's like, Yeah, geez. when he's making the snowflakes. Right? It's I like, love just how, you know, taking him, you know, there's this weird random gothic castle, and then there's, like, this suburban neighborhood. Every house looks the same. So this is a different color. 1950s. And, you know, that's yeah, to establish how he's already not going to fit in because this is a very biased, you know, imperialistic kind of town. It's like, you got to fit in. <laughs> and, um, yeah. yeah. But, but obviously, the overwhelming presence of that film is the late Vincent Price, his last film role. Exactly, yes. I totally forgot about that, but yeah, he's really good in that one. And, uh, a project I want to tackle for my channel, being about, you know, food and horror and whatnot, I want to replicate a recipe Vincent Price did on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He cooked fish in a dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You, you, you can That's look it up on YouTube. He, he was a phenomenal gourmet cook. And on The Tonight Show, he, granted, it was an old school portable dishwasher, but he prepared a, a trout for Johnny Carson. Price is the That's man. amazing. You know, Vincent Price, um, when a lot of people say, like, you know, you hear people say, like, oh, I would want Samuel Jackson or Neri in my life, or more popularly, Morgan Freeman. I'm like, I would want Vincent Price to do it. Tim, if he, I, I had he, he to have a narrator, voice. that voice, him or, um, God, what's his name? George. Wow. I just really bailed out on that. I want to say George Sand. Is it George Murdoch? No. No, he was um George Murdoch. He was in films you guys wouldn't even know. So never mind. Oh, George try Sanders. Me. George try Sanders, me. look it up. I, I just remember George Sanders, look it up. George he, Sanders, okay. Um All About Eve, he was in that. Just his, his voice is awesome All About Eve is a classic. It's a good one. Oh man. Number two. Number two. Aren't you glad you're number two and not number one? Oh wait, no, actually it's the other way around. What are you drinking? I don't drink, so I'm just being goofy. You poor soul. Huh? Less carbs to burn off. <laughs> All right. Number two. What? Are you in number three? No, we're on to you. Uh, Edward Scissorhands was number three, but good catch, Rob. Just. Uh. Uh, 
trying to think. Yeah. What's I want? You know, fuck it. Lethal Weapon. It's been oh, a while. God. The franchise kind of goes into overboard, but the first one is where it's well cranked, very efficient, well edited, well, good dialogue, very outrageous. To, to everyone else, he is Professor Snape. To me, he will always be either Hans Gruber or. No, no, no. Lethal Weapon. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of not, not, not Die Hard. <laughs> oh, Shame on me. Oh. But, uh, it's, wait, what, was it Busey it's, it's, in Lethal Weapon? Oh, I mean, it's Gary pretty Busey much. It, yeah, I mean, it goes hand in hand. They're both Joel Silver productions, so I mean, it's just. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it's funny. It's funny that uh, um, y'all was saying how uh, uh, Tim Burton has a unique fetish with uh, Christmas. Well, so does Shane Black. Right. Just every other movie has to every, be set like, at Majority of his movies are all set at Christmas. Uh, I was surprised that the recent Predator wasn't set at Christmas. He might yeah, well. he decided he, he decided to set it at Halloween this time. But uh, almost everything yeah. either is set at Christmas or it has a reference to Christmas in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Funny how that works. Then, uh, it's kind of a out. grounding thing because every, I mean, not everybody, but you know, it's it's a very celebrated holiday. Yeah, it, it kind of <laughs> grounds you. Like, oh, okay, yeah, Christmas. I can get on board with this, you know. <laughs> I mean, it, it is well casted, and it's just a shame that you know everyone got typecast after this. After this, it's like we want you to play Riggs and Murtaugh. It's like no. You just want Mo. You should just have Mel Gibson play his crazy self, and Danny Glover play his nice, very I love Danny self. Glover's character. He's he's <laughs> the best. He's got the best lines. Oh man, have I'm you guys seen Glover the? Fan, have you guys Mel seen? Gibson, you know, lost his mind. Right. Have you guys seen the various uh, Mad TV parodies of it? I forgot oh, yes. what his yeah. name was, but uh, he does a perfect Mel Gibson, and Ari Spears does a. You know, he was always being doing impressions of every black. No, no, no Riggs, you gotta call down Riggs. <laughs> <laughs> he was perfect. He was perfect. Right. Lover. Yeah. Growing up, I watched all the sequels, but I was just like, yeah, no, the first one's the one you come back to. It's just the yeah. one that it knows when to quit, shove it in, not have too much going I'm on. I'm getting too old for this shit. Right. And, and, and the sequels and they got feel like. I really feel like am. real people in the first one, right? Like in the, to... uh, from throughout the sequels, they just become so far removed from. Well, right the one with Joe I... Pesci. What was that? The third one? He's in two for four, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Then it just becomes the cartoon hour, and it's like, okay, oh yeah, you Part might be. Four, they're just fucking cartoons. Well, and yes, they're in on the joke, but at the same time. A joke, a, a silly joke, is only funny so many times. So it is just one of those. It's very heavy-handed. I, I can't even watch. I can watch the first one in a complete, you know, you know, in the complete runtime. If I ever see parts of the sequels, you know, the minute it goes to commercial or whatever, I, 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 I I'm done. I, I can't watch the whole thing in one sitting. It's just too much excess. Part two is fairly tolerable. Part two, I, I, I could, I appreciate part two somewhat. But then when you get to part three, and it's like, this is just some bullshit. I saw part three in the theaters, and I did not pick the movie. 
um, my uncle was in the Navy and we would go on the base and they would have like movies, whatever. And uh, it was showing and my aunt's like, we're going to go see this. And I'm like, okay. Well, and it's a shame because, you know, Renee Russo is such an awesome actress. And then mm-hmm. having, God, having where, a, where did she go? What happens? She's still working. It's just she yeah. was I haven't seen her. She, she was just in uh she was just in uh, Avengers Endgame. Well, even more importantly, I don't she watch those. I know. Well, she was in her husband. She's married to screenwriter Dan Gilroy, brother of uh, Tony Gilroy of The Born Identity and Devil's Advocate fame. And oh, um okay. oh, and, oh yeah, he, oh that's right. She was in uh I know what you're going to say. Yeah, uh, yeah, she she was in Nightcrawler. Yeah, not 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 a superhero movie. That's the one with Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake and it's Gyllenhaal, all, it's, yeah. She's, she's, she's fantastic in that movie, by the way. Right, and it's very falling down, taxi driver-ish. It's very gritty and kind of almost that, Fight Club-ish in a way. Kind of. it, the funny thing is that that's like the scariest movie. That's like not a horror movie. Yes, this is like freaky. Jake Gyllenhaal is absolutely terrifying in that fucking movie. That and I mean just. You don't know what you're getting into. I mean, you do, but you don't. You know you're going to watch something about a guy who's an obsessed, you know, journalist with too much time in his hands. You get that you're seeing the crime underworld and you got plot twists in store. But again, nothing ever, not even the trailer or any other review ever preps you for the tone and what you're going to get. So that was one that's of the movies like, that Sean was watching and I was like, I'm going to head out and do a candy thing. And he told me about it later. And so he, he summarizes these movies that I won't watch. Uh, no thanks. But um, So I know what happens. And he's like, it was so good. And I'm like, that's good for you. That's kind of how I was with like searching for the wilder people or whatever. I come in for the final hour. My mom and sister are watching it. And I'm like, that's great. That's all I'm ever like, going to see. I'll take your summary and we'll, <laughs> I'll assess from there. Mm-hmm. I, I did that. I did that with my mom when she was telling me about the the Karate Kid remake. Oh, because she she, she yeah, keeps trying to get me yeah, to watch yeah. it. like it's so it's so good. And then she was telling me that uh, no, scene, it's not. Like, this, this was like some bullshit. <laughs> really I'm not. never gonna really watch this. You have to understand that like one of my first crushes was uh Ralph Macchio, and I loved the Karate Kid movies like nonstop watching. Well, the first. <laughs> The first two, the third one. Part three, you're going to need riff tracks for. (laughs) Part three is like, I need to be a little drunk and and just be down on my luck. Part three is amazing, but for all the wrong reasons. Like, the character of Terry Silver in Karate Kid. Yeah, Thomas C. and Griffith. Oh my god. (laughs) People say Shooter McGavin. How do I kill the Karate Kid? (laughs) People say Shooter McGavin is the greatest movie villain. Uh, but I was like, nah, fucking Terry Silver, man, from Karate Kid Three. This uh, this this man is a is a toxic waste billionaire who who devotes his time to planning revenge on an elderly Japanese handyman and an eighteen year old boy. Uh, man. Eighteen, he's thirty five. Right. <laughs> when Ralph Macchio did the Karate Kid movies, he was like. Because he looks I so think young, he, like, he even looks he looks young now, but he was in his early twenties. Yeah, right. no, that was back when uh, they were willing to get away with stuff like that. You know, Ferris Bueller and that was twenty seven, twenty eight when he did Karate Kid three. He was actually yeah. older than Tom Griffith. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he let himself go by movie free, and then they did that stupid. 
part four, which had Michael Ironside and a young Hillary Like Swift. the new Karate Kid. Oh, the, with yeah, yeah, the next. Which, which I'd rather watch and than. And now Cobra. we've got Cobra Kai. But I, I have seen Cobra, Cobra Kai, Kai was really good. I just haven't seen it. Um, but I am a I am a big Ralph Macchio fan. When I was a kid, he was just absolutely adorable. I yeah. know how much older he was than me. I thought he was young, like 16 or something. Because um, like the outsiders, he looks like an infant. And he was in his teen. So. Uh-huh. we got to do and, this Johnny Oh, and it was so funny. I was watching the psych episode with Billy Zapka last night, and it just really just blew my mind. It's like, so many people in the franchise, you know, just their careers kind of went to shit. You know, Martin Cove became the B-movie king, and it's like seems like the only person who got out of that mold and didn't get identified necessarily with Karate Kid was uh, Tamlin Tamita in part two. Oh, yeah. No one knows what that is. So, number okay. one. Yeah. I have a I have a suggestion, but it could be oh like an honorable mention. Okay. Fire away. Um, this is going to Mystery Science Theater three thousand, <laughs> my favorite show. Oh baby. And you know where I'm going with this. And maybe maybe you do, maybe you don't, because there's a couple well, different ways Santa to go. Santa Claus movies. It's Santa Claus, the okay. the Mexican film <laughs> that was uh, put out in America <laughs> by K. Gordon Murray. No, this movie is batshit insane. So <laughs> you're gonna understand. Oh, like, um, oh, 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 staying alive. Yeah. Staying alive. <laughs> I kind yeah. of feel like Conquers the Martian is both overhyped and a more awesome title, but at the same time, Santa yeah, Claus is more bad Santa shit. Claus. Santa but Claus holds your attention because you're like, what the fuck are they gonna do now? Oh my god, what, what? And you, okay, so when most people they think of like you know Santa as part of the commercial part of Christmas. It really doesn't have too much to do or they anything to do with Mars. religion. <laughs> yeah, so, but in Santa Claus, like, you know, you don't really associate Santa Claus with Jesus, okay? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a religious thing. It's a commercial holiday thing. Um, You know, it's uh, how it's used, you know, in modern times anyway. But, uh-huh. uh, but so this movie, it takes, you know, there's Santa. There's no elves. He has these stereotypes of children and this really, really long sequence of them singing like native songs of their continent or country. And they're just broad stereotypes. And it just, it's really fucking weird. Like, there's no elves. We have these free range children. There's odd imagery <laughs> um, like uh, the mouth. They're like, <laughs> I like when Kevin. Yeah, I like when Kevin's like that is a mouth, right? <laughs> a little labial, but um, it, it does not look like a mouth. And then you know the the fan was just the ear on it, where you could hear all the things going on on Earth. Which okay, this is it, we're getting weird. It's a little high tech Santa stuff with the slave children that are just pleased to be there. Um, and then you know the, the part with like, like the laughing reindeer. <laughs> yeah, the, the part with the laughing reindeer, and then there's kind of like a pentagram in the back, and you're like, what's happening? What's happening? That's, I think that that is the uh, the stinger at the end of the episode. But so do you watch this on cut, 
or do you watch this with the commentary? I I've seen both. Oh. Because I I just got curious and don't don't get curious, guys. I'm gonna tell you why. Because okay, oh. so we've got Santa. <laughs> You're making me curious. <laughs> well, don't be curious. It's well, really... then that's my point. The minute you say "don't be curious," you're, you're gonna make me curious. <laughs> God, you like my children. I have to do reverse psychology on you. Absolutely, well, watch this uncut. I okay, anyway. <laughs> study sociology. I know how it works. The minute something is deemed taboo, I am also a sociologist. I know. But anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, so this is 1959. So we've got this mixture. Plus, you got to think of. You know, um, Hispanic culture, especially you know, like in Mexico, they're 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 religious. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of religion involved in this. You know, talking about you know the, the prayers to God and Jesus, and then there's fucking demon pitch the demon. Right. So, oh, the okay, demon. when did when did oh, no, the demons have anything? I'm sorry. One of my favorite. Evil. Don't feed me ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite MST3K recurring characters. Pitch, played by Paul it's Chaplin. the devil. I love Paul Chaplin. Paul Chaplin did great just walk-on roles. But anyway, so <laughs> we've got the religious stuff, which oh, usually yeah. they don't put together with Santa and the slave children. We've got that. And, <laughs> you know, Pitch is going around telling, you know, whispering in people's ears and points around, like, Santa's here and he's going to murder you. <laughs> in, in this religious Santa Claus movie. And I'm like, and, and they get scared. And, of course, you know, um, <laughs> Pitch is taking away this, this fucking rose that Santa has is like magical because Merlin the wizard also works for Santa Claus. And it's right. weird long scene Such a is weird not take in the mystery science theater episode. It is not in the, in the episode. But he gave him this rose because Merlin has this workshop in, in Santa's little kingdom whatever of, of slave children. But um but he doesn't have the magical rose that makes him go invisible. So the dogs are barking and Pitch has just told these parents that Santa's here and he's going to murder them, and Santa's <laughs> house on fire. Yes, and I'm like, I don't Lucifer understand. Very pleased. Yeah, and I don't understand like what is going on here. How right. am I supposed to feel religious? Am I supposed to feel the Christmas spirit? Am I supposed to somehow be like, oh, you're supposed Santa to is, is magic to because Santa's magic because Merlin gave him this rose that makes him invisible. <laughs> what the is... fuck is Merlin doing there? Why? And and they did cut that out of the Mystery Science Theater. I thought he but... was that he he wasn't in the background. I thought he, I saw him briefly walking I, around. I think he I think you see him kind of wandering around, but there is like a pro prolonged scene of, and it's really odd. You can see it through riff tracks in their Santa's Village of Madness. Um, if you want to just watch it riffed, but it they they show this that that long really annoying he just kind of is doing this weird humming while he's mixing up his concoctions for santa um <laughs> and it's so like grating it, it's uh it's almost un unwatchable but yeah riff Shack did tackle that so, yeah, you can watch it there anyway so at the end of this movie we got little lupita who was gonna steal a dolly because she wanted one but you know her family is poor but Santa rewards her because our narrator has told her, if you are good, you will be rewarded. 
you know. <laughs> That's and, creepy. <laughs> and then it just, you know, you get a lot of baby Jesus kind of stuff. And it's like, there's so much mixed messages in this movie. Like, I don't understand which, which direction is up. I don't understand what's happening. It is yeah. that's insane. It's really insane. And so two mystic questions for you. How okay. do you think how do you think Joel or Jonah would have handled this counter to um, how Mike handled it, which was ooh. with a sing off and just doing more dry humor on the various observational Well, <laughs> it it really boils down to and this is not um the age old question of who's the better host. No, this I'm not boils down to their their sort of comedy. Joel was uh kind of obscure he he had like obscure stuff that he'd throw out there. Like you'd have to like dig and do your info and research to to laugh at the joke. Mike uh-huh. had a very fast, dry wit that I appreciate. I think Mike was probably the best guy for the job. Jonah is like a mix of Mike and Joel, but a little bit more Joelish, where he's kind of goofy. Right. Mike was Mike was never goofy. He was sarcastic, and I like that. I like that dry sarcasm, almost bordering on mean. <laughs> Perfect. I like that kind of comedy. Now, so, had yeah, this been made in the, had this been made in the nineties, and we used the Merlin for Merlin's mystical shop of mystical wonders, how My would it look like? Favorite episode. Right, but but if they had that actor, in that it play. would have been so much better. I would have bought it because <laughs> the guy the guy what's his name George uh I can't George something um it'll come to me, but who played Merlin did a fantastic job. That was the best thing about the Merlin movie. As yeah. off the wall crazy as that that is all uh, stitched together. I couldn't well, handle oh, the cat dying in that movie. <laughs> well, it's so stupid and fake that I can handle it and laugh at it. Like and that's my favorite thing that Mike does in episodes is that <clears throat> laugh is like almost imperceptible where it's like he's like <laughs> okay. It's a pretty ridiculous movie. <laughs> it, it's fun though. It's it's one that you watch all the time. The best riffs, everything. It's great. But anyway, yeah, that Merlin would have done better than this Merlin. The Merlin that's in Santa Claus, you want, you want to harm him physically. <laughs> and you, when you see that extended scene, um, when Rick Hacks does it, uh, you'll understand. Oh yeah. Because I know you're gonna find it now. Oh well. <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and there we have ten. Man, yeah. I can't believe we got to the end of the tunnel on that one. <laughs> Everyone's going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Insane. No Christmas like, what the fuck is wrong with candy? <laughs> we don't go for typical movies, guys. Sorry. We don't. I thought I kept to the theme pretty well. You did. Well, we all threw a mixture of everything in there. You know, we weren't. Yep. The, I did, well, anyone looking for a Rankin Bass musical on here is going to be disappointed. Sorry. It's not that's, that kind of that's list. That's too easy. Yeah. <laughs> you want some new stuff once you get past the age of 10. So, <laughs> gave you a list. You can either take it or leave it. Check it twice. <laughs> With our wonderful comedy. Naughty and nice. <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me. All right. So, I'm going to let Thanks you guys plug fun. yourself. Uh, Rob, I'm going to go ahead and plug oh. yourself. Oh, um, as always, uh, you can find me at the Cinema Drunkie on Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, Letterboxd, uh, YouTube. You can find me as the Cinema Drunkie, the Cine Drunkie on Twitter because they wouldn't allow me to post that many words, letters. Um, 
you can find me on Ultimate Action Movies uh, Club, uh, Action Flicks, and House of Torture Souls, and that will be all. Oh, also, 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 um, I have to plug Big Reader Brooklyn Bros on the Bridge, a Star Trek podcast with uh, my best friend Max uh, Ricardo Page uh, coming soon. We will be. Uh, he's he's fine. He's uh he's under quarantine right now because they oh, have a, 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 a COVID nineteen scare at his job. So he's he's under strict quarantine now. But um he's good. He's good. I was just talking to him earlier today. He's good. And um we we were That's discussing good. it. Uh yeah, we will be recording shortly the pilot episode. So there. I'm excited to Thank hear you. it. Also, um, uh, Daniel, uh, you were, I, I see, I see those Star Trek posts. I definitely got to get you as a guest sooner or later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll uh, have it. All right. That, Kendi Allison. Note. Um, you can find me with you lovely gentlemen on my oh. horror podcast, The House lovely. of Screams. Fun and times. That's fun. And... I have a blog devoted to horror called candycoatedhorror.wordpress.com. I'm also on Twitter at house underscore screams. <laughs> that's that. Alrighty, alrighty. Perfect. And uh, Ryan, the Nightmare Nerd. <laughs> As always, eat, drink, and be scary. You can find me on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. The Nightmare Nerd. I've got some fun reviews coming up. Woo! Nice. <laughs> I love his videos. <laughs> he knows how to play it. Yeah. Thanks kindly. Alrighty. Yeah, no, thank you all. And this will air around Christmas time. So. Until <laughs> next time. Yeah. Alrighty. Perfect. I gotta slow the hell down and back it up. <laughs> okay no this has been a lot of fun i did not expect these picks and that's kind of what i like i just like everyone is kind of digging into their deepest realm of their brain and just <laughs> i try just... to be unpredictable by being predictable well that, right. that works too <laughs> uh, yeah this, I, I like guessing. how the list is complete the, the list is almost completely random and unpredictable you know like, this is going to be looking for that tomorrow night all the snobs who are all the snobs who are about cinematic perfection are going to be like, this is quality? And I'm just going to be like, you know what, fuck you guys. It <laughs> doesn't have to win quality, awards. You're in the wrong place, Buster. Awards. awards. Film is art and art is subjective. There you go. Awards, don't want them. I'd rather win yeah. a Razzie. <laughs> all right. The Jacked Up Review Show can also be followed on Facebook on both the page and the group. Feel free to chat, leave questions, make requests for future episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much for your various support, and we'll continue to entertain the hell out of you. Till then, take care.